right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance level veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> How's it going? It's going. You're a little Don't sick. Don't you hate it when people say that? It's I'm going. not sick. I, I'm not sick. I just, oh, okay. I, it's just the. Uh, I don't think the air quality in my apartment is great. Okay. You need to get like a little air filter system. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, is anybody, I mean, is anybody's apartment in New York City's like, is their air quality good? I don't know. In the apartment? Like anybody's apart, anybody's place. I mean, so many, so many of these places are such shitholes. <laughs> I don't not live in a yours. Shithole. I don't. Uh, yeah. yeah, you don't live in a shithole. But most people's apartments are shitholes. Yeah. Um. Well, I just drove back from New Hampshire yesterday, so I'm like exhausted. I because I never drive because I live in New York. I like literally never owned a car in my life. I like driving for those blocks of time. Like it really exhausts me. Yeah, it's a lot of attention having to be paid. I know. And the anger that I feel towards Pat when he's on his cell phone and I'm driving and I can't be on my phone. It tr- <laughs> that's exo- That's what's exhausting you. Yeah. Five just, hours of that is a lot. He's not on the phone the entire time, but it's enough that when I look over and he's like texting or laughing at something that you texted him, I'm like, all right, well, this isn't fair. This is rude. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, we made it. It was a good trip up north. But nice. I know. Uh, before we get started, do we have any new patrons? We do. We have four. Whoa. We have Jean Deacons. Thank you for your patronage. Julie Sutton. Thank you for your patronage. Zoe Stanley. Thank you for your patronage. Zoe or Zoe? It's Z O E. That's Zoe, right? I I've heard, I know a Zoe that spells it that way, too, so I'm not sure. Okay. So Zoe or Zoe, as, as we always say, if we're wrong, we'll do mm-hmm. another shout-out. Yeah. And then we just got a new one right before we started recording. Kristen Curran. Kristen Curran is also a patron. So thank you for your patronage. Now, at the moment, we're doing the Virgin River uh, early release on the Patreon. As of this recording, you can now hear our thoughts on episodes seven to nine of the fourth season. And if you didn't like our opinions on Ricky and Jack before, <laughs> you will continue to not like our opinions <laughs> on Ricky and Jack. But we have not watched the last episodes yet we have not watched them so we don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on we don't know if jack is redeemed we don't (laughs) know if that's happened so so our 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 minds are are willing to be changed yes and always just assume guys that if we haven't put out an episode for a recap of a certain episode we still haven't watched the those after that so like no spoilers guys because we like to watch and we like to kind of know what's happening as it happens so we like to take the ride we do listen we've talked to sue tenny we love sue tenny and we want to be able to have her vision of watching the show which is you know finding information kind of as as she deems it necessary so 
Well, know. because it happens a lot of times in romance novels mm-hmm. is that you think, oh, I'm angry at this person and why can't they change and why can't they change? And then they do change and you're like, oh, I like them now. So mm-hmm. that is probably the arc of this season. And yes. we are in this, we're we're currently in the midst of the arc, so. Yeah. Um, and we're feeling the feelings that I think they want us to feel too. And then the, everything will change. Anyway, this week we read Sarah McLean's Heartbreaker, which is number two in the Hell's Bells series. So we're right in the middle of things. And before we jump into discussing it, what do we think of this cover? Oh, I love it. Gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, I love the uh, the the just the knowing smirk on Adelaide's face and the the yellow dress is beautiful the blue background it feels like it's like a twilight type scene right like mm-hmm. it's happening at maybe dusk i just realized that she is holding a ribbon with a key tied to it oh yes uh, you just pointed that out and i'm just noticing that <laughs> which does she have a key I mean, she has that box. She has a lot of ribbons. Yeah, but but that, but that's like a that's open with like a magnet, right? Yeah, this is like a skeleton key. Huh. Wow. Interesting. I love it. Um, yeah, I agree. She's gorgeous. She looks like Adelaide. This shows that it's a romance novel. The colors are striking. It's it's a really really beautiful cover. It's like that, a little that, bit that. of like. Bell like Disney Bell too, because it's like her hair is red, but you know reddish brown, and then the the yellow dress, you know, yeah, reminiscent. Hair so flowing and beautiful mm-hmm. that it made a man crash his carriage. Which I believe, you know, we're both Leos. We both love hair. So. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I could see crashing a carriage over a, some beautiful hair. Absolutely. As does Claiborne. Um. Clayton, what is this book about? This book is about the aforementioned Adelaide, who is part of the Hell's Bells, which is a group of women that are fighting the patriarchy back in the day. And she meets Duke Claiborne. Well, she's met him before this book, but they fall in love in this book. Mm -hmm. And they are racing to catch Claiborne's brother, Jack, and Lady Helene, who are going to elope. Mm-hmm. And so that's the part of the book, is that they're racing for that. They He gets injured, the Duke of Claiborne gets injured in a fight, and Adelaide nurses him back to health and shaves his face <laughs> in a great scene that was foreshadowed in, earlier in the book, in a way that titillated me, I, I think I even said "ooh," <laughs> and so uh, basically, basically at the end, her father, who's a bad guy, comes and tries to break up their love because it's all about child labor. He wants to continue to have child labor and all that stuff, or he wants child labor to continue. And that's Lady th- Helene's father, yeah. Uh, oh yes, 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 and then and then uh, at the end they get they they are married and everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, should we just talk about the shaving scene to start? Because I mean, that's like the big thing. That was the scene that was you know 
written. Well, for when you. I was told, I was told by you that there there was a scene in this that was specifically for me. Mm-hmm. And when du- the Duke mentions that he he has to shave like twice a day, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so this guy's gonna get his face shaven. And the chapter, a chapter ends with him saying, I need, I need a shave. And I was like, oh, so this is going to be just like a whole, this is like a cliffhanger to the chapter <laughs> is whether or not he shaves himself or she shaves him. And then I did, I love their conversation during it, how nervous she was to do it because of how intimate it was, but also because it's, it's dangerous, right? You could, you could cut somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I love that scene. And it was another where they've had they had several scenes in here where they're just either lying in bed or and and he's like, "Tell me about yourself. Tell me a story." Like I love I love that element because I do think that's really true to life. Like especially when you're first getting to know somebody, those are some of the best moments. Is what were you like as a kid? You know, you're just like lying there and you're just spending so much time with this person. And you're just trying to absorb everything about them. And, you know, you're asking them questions about where they grew up, where they went to school, things like that. And I love that. And I love that that was also integrated into the the shaving scene. It was a great... Well, the scene, too, they're... Yeah, they're on the run. But uh, Claiborne is being... Is, like, recuperating from being stabbed. And she, mm-hmm. like, sits on his lap. <laughs> yeah, In order to, to shave, shave him. him, too. It's great. And- and he's just yeah. so hard. <laughs> he gets instantly hard so often. Like, the raw masculinity pouring off of Claiborne, that he has to shave twice a day, that he gets hard by, like, constant, like, by a breeze. Yes. His testosterone levels are through the roof, should be studied. Not bad for a 36-year-old. No, listen, he's having, he's he's rock hard and hairy. He's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, overall, what are your thoughts of this book? Well, I liked it. I mean, it starts out like the first the 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 beginning of it is such a like firecracker of a scene where it's yeah her uh, Adelaide realizing that this wedding is gonna turn into a brawl, and it was so I was I was like okay, well that's this how this book's gonna be. It's just gonna be like action oriented, which I think the first book in the series was as well. This is a very mm-hmm. like action oriented series, and I love that. I love the racing. I love the idea that it was a race between the two of them. The fact that she uh, she kept mentioning his straight nose, and then his nose eventually does get broken, which is great. Mm-hmm. That was a great touch. I mean, I just liked it a lot. I thought it was a really fun, really fun romp. Yeah, I loved the first scene, how it was sort of how all the first scene of every book. Oh, I guess there's been two books, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that this was intentional. (laughs) But that the first scene of every of the books is always like how these women get pulled into the this gang, the Mm house bells by the Duchess. And so. Yeah, like you said, Adelaide was supposed to get married, and it ended up being she was actually never going to get married, right? It ended up being just a setup for a bunch of people to be in the same room together for her father to like try to kill people. Oh yeah, it was not. They were not actually going to get married. I don't think. Yeah, and then um, and but then the next 
scene after that when it's like, you know, when we're to the present or the present for the story is her stealing from her father's office and Claiborne walking in. And then it's like the two of them immediately like fighting together to try to get away. And then she kisses him on the boat and jumps onto the boat and we're in uh, another boat with the rest of the bells. And we kind of get that introduction as well. It just felt like very cinematic and it felt very big and it was really just, I don't know, like a swashbuckling, like exciting thing to read and also it really set up the rest of the book which is basically like Adelaide and Claiborne running around fighting people mm-hmm. and then having sex which a lot of Adelaide in men's clothes which is great mm-hmm. she always wears pants under her skirts that she can just like take off by like twirling which I mm-hmm. do want to see that obviously I want every romance novel to get option just so that I watch romance novels on TV nonstop. But this in particular, because I feel like that scene would be so amazing. Just like the, when she turns, it'll, it's almost like a superhero kind of revealing their costume, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, except for the one time that she does, she has nothing underneath. She's nudie. Oh, that was cool when she was just had a bed sheet and she was holding a knife to a dude's throat. <laughs> that was amazing. But then there's when... You know, after the shaving scene where she takes off the skirt and then she's just got nothing underneath. She's ready to go. Yeah, that was cool. Um, A A lot of sex in the middle of this book. Yes, this is a very spicy book. Mm -hmm. There's quite a bit of sex. Um... And it's a like a road trip romance as well, which is really fun. And so it's them kind of like trying to get to Gretna Green first to... Adelaide is the matchbreaker. Yeah, she's hired to break up. Well, I mean, exactly what it says. Instead of putting people together, she's breaking people apart. Mm -hmm. And part of me thought, why wasn't this book just called The Matchbreaker? Yes, I maybe maybe I mean, we could talk to Sarah about it, but maybe maybe the publisher said heartbreaker is like a more understandable title or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause I wouldn't say that they're going to be like, you can't name your book this, but matchbreaker, yeah. unless there's already a book name matchbreaker out or coming out or something, that is such a, that title is like, Ooh, what's this? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that she said that she wanted kind of the titles to be, anachronistic words for women. So like bombshell and heartbreaker and stuff. But, oh, okay. You know, that makes sense. Then. I get that it. That makes sense. Yeah. But also I thought matchbreaker would be a really fun title. Um, another scene that I love is, well, it's funny because Claiborne is described as this like very stuffy Duke. And whenever we see him in Cecily's book in bombshell, he is very like, he admonishes Adelaide in public, like, telling her to basically, like, shut up when she's trying to stand up for this woman. Um, and you really don't like him. Like, he seems like a pompous asshole. Uh-huh. And then the thing that's funny about this book is he's so, ends up being so much more effusive than Adelaide. And he gets there first. Like, there, there is, like, a, a little bit of, like, a gender swapping kind of thing as far as, like, what you would, who you would expect to have trouble with, um... Confessing that they love somebody, you know, normally it's like the, or not normally, but I think in like 
a lot of these books that can be the hero being like pretty reluctant to really admit his feelings. We're here. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite. And I just love that, you know, they're in bed and the Claiborne finally says to her, I love you. And so she gets up and walks to the kitchen to like make a plate of food. And I'm like, fully never have I related to a character more than just too much yeah. emotion in the room. And I got to go get something to eat. <laughs> uh huh. I'll check you later, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the, the other scene I really like in the book was when he finally catches up to her at the inn and goes to look for his 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 leather pouch, his purse. And there's a little cut in his pants. He's got stolen. And she shows up and she's like, I'll pay for our rooms. Don't worry about it. And uh, she's got his leather pouch. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That switch, like he thought that he had beat her to the end and that he was like ahead yeah. of her. And it turns out she had been there that whole time, just like waiting for him to walk in. Yes. Yes, that was great. Yeah. But. And something else about this book that is really great, or just like a theme that I find really interesting, that I think is like a very specifically romance trope is the heroine being somebody who kind of goes unnoticed or like a wallflower heroine and with Adelaide that's like kind of the thing that she takes the most pride in because like as a pickpocket as what she does as the matchbreaker as what she does to work with the bells she kind of needs to be somebody who is like easily forgotten and not noticed so that she can like kind of do all the things that she needs to do and this idea that then the only person who really sees her is the person who loves her and that Claiborne almost like can't not be always know where she is and always notice her. And Claiborne sees her as somebody who is like a pickpocket and he has seen her like steal from people and he never kind of announced that it happened. But like this idea of being seen by this one person is you know, something that I really loved about this book and something that was really, like, it's just, like, interesting to think about, too, is um, kind of who are you seen by. Yeah, well, because the other Bells are talking about once, because she steals that wooden block, which she just thinks is, what is this? I mean, there must be Mm -hmm. something in it, but it just seems kind of pointless to her. But she steals it, and when she tells them that she got in a fight with the Bully Boys and... And there was, uh, Claiborne was there. They were like, wait, you got, they saw you? Mm-hmm. No one ever sees you. H- how did this happen? And it's because yeah. he was there. That's why. She got outed by him in a way. Yeah. And I think she says it even in the book, too. It's like in through her, through him seeing her, other people were able to see her. Mm-hmm. And that's like a little bit kind of like what love is like, I think, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I find that it's funny. That is so true. It's like when you're by yourself, like in the city, you don't really feel noticed. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're walking with somebody else, even if it's like a friend, but you're with somebody and people can maybe assume you're together, they like notice you more, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, or just like having that spotlight on you by somebody or or sort of the way that like you when you're loved or when you know that you're loved like that you kind of act a little bit different or you, like you grow a little bit more or something. I think that you know, I think it's just like an and interesting concept. You're also a little bit brighter. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes, most of the time. I mean, obviously, there's horrible relationships where people walk around miserable and they're not good for each other. Mm-hmm. That can be magnifying, too, though. That can be a beacon as well in a negative way, where you walk by and you see two people together and you're like, oh, my God, that seems like a misery, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it can go both ways. Um, but... Yeah. The other cool thing, I love the box. I love the puzzle box, mm-hmm. which had a little maze in it, which is awesome because I love mazes. Oh, I yeah. wasn't so sure how it worked, though. It seemed so intricate. I was having a hard time kind of putting, getting my mind around exactly what was inside of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, in, how like big the traps and the buttons and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That, that was hard for me to really like visualize. But, I mean, I love the concept of it, of the fact that these were things that were made to just house most of the time, like, trinkets or Mm -hmm. small little things. It was just the act of figuring them out that was the prize. And how Adelaide just really loved the act of figuring out how to do it or, or being able to do it. Now, she had to be guided, but I do think she loved just the exploration of it. Mm-hmm. My thing, too, is, like, so what's in the box is this, like, very sweet letter that Claiborne's father wrote to his mother. His mother was pregnant when they got married. So Claiborne's, like, father is not his biological father. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, like, a really beautiful letter. And part of me just was always so nervous because of the ink in the box that, like, if somebody tries to manipulate the box in a way, then the ink will just explode and then destroy everything inside of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that letter is too precious. I'm like, can't we get, like, a safety deposit box? Yeah. <laughs> or is there a way that we could get, like, a safe behind a painting or something where it can be, like, actually kept safe, you know? Because it's not something yeah. you'd want to lose. I know. And Imogene was like, let's just blow it up. <laughs> I love Imogen. I know that... Like, uh, Jen from Fade and Maze is also obsessed with Imogen, and she is has been writing, like, basically fan fiction on Twitter, which is, like, very fun, uh, if you want to go check it out. But I, too, am an Imogen stan, and I cannot wait for that book. Is that the next book? Uh, yeah. Okay. It feels like it's got to be. Yeah. it's. I think it, I mean, I guess I don't know, but I'm assuming it is. It has to be. It's being set up pretty pretty much as, I would think. I know. Her, We've gotten, in both yeah. books, really good scenes between the two of them. I know. Can you imagine if her hero was anyone other than Tommy, at Tommy Peck, the inspector, at this stage? It's, it's, I guess Riot's we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. We don't know, but it's got to be, right? I know. Yes, I think it definitely is. This cannot be a situation, remember in Wallflowers, where they set up Cam being with the younger sister uh-huh and then he wasn't oh and then they swerved it yeah yeah i don't think Still this is a swerve cam, but yeah 
I'm excited for it. Their energy is just like crackling. And I love to when you are reading a series like this and then you see like the couple that you're like, I can't wait for that couple. <laughs> mm -hmm. Even though these two were, these two were really lovely and really, really loved each other and were into it. But it was very also like insta love or they kind of fell in love pre the book, it seems like, or at least he did. Mm -hmm. And I think I loved where the book started because it started with such like an immediate action of them meeting in that room and stuff. But like I could have, I would have liked, I think, a few, a, a few scenes of Claiborne, like when he first noticed Adelaide or him watching Adelaide or ways in which like he had helped Adelaide in the past or something. Mm -hmm. Because that is the thing that I do feel like it's a little bit, it was a little bit like we're the hero and heroine and therefore we are in love. Which yeah, it would have been fine, you know? Because I mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about her hair, that scene where he's chasing her and her cap comes off and that mm -hmm. the locks start flowing and he gets distracted and crashes. Like, that would be a great moment to be like, oh, now I know for sure. I mean, like, I'm falling in love with this person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the yeah. distraction is kind of like this new set of feelings that he has that he never, he's like, I can't marry anybody because I'm a bastard or whatever. But uh, him having that feeling of, oh, no, I'm in deep shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, would have been cool. Like to have them be annoyed with each other at first and then, even though we know it's a facade, uh, uh, we know it's like a, um, we know where it's going to end up. We still yeah. kind of want that those beats, you know? I mean, not that I didn't love that, but I feel like it would have just, I just wanted a little bit more of that, you know? Mm hmm But I mean, fantastic book, fantastic sex scenes, fantastic, like, romps. I mean, the tropes are amazing. Every time they go to a, an inn, there's only one bed. Yeah, it's so called out to the point of, like, it's funny because it's yeah. such an obvious trope. And, of course, we knew it was going to happen. But mm -hmm. I love that. I love how tropey it is. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And that, yeah, we love the bells. We love the Duchess. I mean, that is, it is interesting, too, like, going back to, like, being seen and stuff, where it's, like, the first person in this book who really says that they see Adelaide is the Duchess of Treviscan, is the woman who kind of takes her into this other life and is able to build this family around her. Because, like, certainly the bells and their network are you know, a family and they love each other all deeply. And I, you know, mm -hmm. so it's interesting that the Duchess was like, no, I watched you and I really saw who you were kind of inside. And then to also have Claiborne kind of have the same. But yeah, you, that's a, that's a great point. You can be seen by your friends as well. Like your friends yeah. are also people who see you. Mm -hmm. So here's the big question. Would mm -hmm. we fuck them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think slam doink. Of course we're going to fuck both of them. <laughs> I mean, the Duke, just that amount of raw sexuality, I'm into. He's a, oh, we didn't even talk about this. He's a dirty talker. And there oh, yeah. is a lot of, like, good girl in this book, which is, you know, that gets everybody's, like, tinglies up. Women's mm -hmm. at least. So. Yeah. That's amazing. That was great. That made the sex scenes even that much better. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, Adelaide seems very hot, and I would be very into it. And I love the red hair. Oh, yeah. Gotta love a redhead. 
<laughs> um, then, oh, Goodreads list. Here's the thing though, it's like a new book. It just came out last month. It came out on August 23rd. So it's not, I mean, it's on a lot of lists, but all the lists are like anticipated romance, most anticipated romance, da da da, da which like, mm -hmm. yes, obviously. It was highly anticipated for good reason, but it's not really an interesting list for us to like call out at all. Yes. So um, the two lists that weren't about just being anticipated are main characters share a bed. Yes. What? Huh? Uh, does that, is that a way of saying only one bed? I think so. Okay, because in every romance, the main <laughs> characters share a bed eventually, <laughs> right? Is there ever a romance where they don't have sex in a bed at least once? I don't, that's right. I didn't even like, that didn't even occur to me. I just so assumed it was only one bed. I wasn't like, oh, does this mean this or does this mean that? Jesus. This would be unorthodox as a list if it was any <laughs> other genre. Right. Right. So, but if it's a, ro if this is a list for a romance, for romance books, mm -hmm. literally every book ever written would have would could be on this list right i also think it's like in this list they never share a bed and don't hook up you know yeah. and i think like this could be a list for like they share a bed but don't hook up but their sexual tension which is great too but like yeah main characters share a bed they do i mean the list is should be only one bed yeah it's only one bed yeah, so, okay. I think that's what they were going for. And then the next is Ginger Leads, Redhead Reads. Great. Yeah. Yeah. She has red hair. Mm-hmm. He has... What color hair does he have? Dark hair. Dark hair. Oh, yeah. And then his brother's dark blonde. Hair. I know that Sarah isn't going to do this because I think she already said that she wasn't going to do it, but, like, I would love a novella that is, like, Jack and Helene... Like, their experience. Yes, like a parallel time, like, going on at the same time. Because they're, they, it, it's alluded to that they're not in any rush because they have things they want to do along the way. So mm -hmm. there's bound to be a lot of fucking. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of fucking, but also it's just, like, how did they meet? Like, Jack seems like he was, like, kind of... Uh, like a messy brother, like he was always in debt to people and getting in fights and this and that. So oh, yeah. I do think it would be interesting. Like, how did he turn around when he met Lady Helene? And he does know that she's in a level of danger, I think, but still is like, they're really taking their time getting to Gretna Green. Yeah, it would be funny to know what they're, yeah, what exactly they were doing and thinking during that time. Yeah. And also, they were being, they, it's revealed that the Bells knew where they were at all times. It was like they were, every step of the way was being monitored. Mm -hmm. And then until they disappeared, until they finally, Alfie got yes. them. Yeah. Um, which also, I mean, that scene at the end, that big fight is so much fun too. Like, I love the idea of them going into that church, opening the door, and then all the Bells are just sitting there like, and what? <laughs> oh, know? everybody's got a weapon. Yeah, like yeah. everybody is, is is ready, spoiling for a fight, which was mirroring mirroring the wedding at the beginning. Yeah. It was great. 
So fun. Um, all right. Well, Clayton, what are your tropes? Well, main characters share a bed. <laughs> uh, redheaded heroine. Yeah. Puzzle boxes, which I don't think we've seen before, but I, I would so like either. to see more of. Yeah. Um, shaving scene, of course. Mm-hmm. Road trip. I think man, uh, uh, hero falls first. I think is would I think he does fall for her first. Oh, definitely. He falls hardest. Mm-hmm. And then I do think she 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 gets there. I mean, we could even do fresh scent of pining hero. Yeah, and I I, think, and I would say bad dad for her dad. Yeah, he's definitely a a gay a bad guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is so, like yeah. the king of the underworld. Yes. So, and he set up a wedding for her where he was just there to kill everyone, mm-hmm. and there is a strong chance she could have gotten killed during that. So yeah. he's a very bad dad. Mm-hmm. And that those are my tropes. Aaron, what are your tropes? So I have a road trip romance. This is the, yeah, of the three Sarah McLean books we've read, two have been road trip romances. Yes, it makes me think she loves a road trip, but then there's so many books she's written that probably aren't road trips. The va- Basically, these are the two books she re- wrote with a road trip, <laughs> and we read them yeah. both. And then, like, the other 14 or whatever are non-road trip romances. Um, mm-hmm. I See You, Praise Kink, Shaving Scene, A Girl Gang, obviously, The Hell's Bells, like, Found Family, Only One Bed, Rich Hero, Poor Heroine. They don't... At the end, basically, Alfie is like, you need to get married, uh, so that I can ha- be, like, connected to the aristocracy. And Adelaide is very much like, no, I'll bring you down with me. I don't know what that trope is called, but there's that kind of thing. What is praise kink? Praise kink? A praise kink is, like, it's not too romance. It's just, like, a kink some people have where they like to be, like, told that they're doing a good job in bed. Okay, okay, okay. So, like, good girl is, a pra- is like, the main thing. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, a race. They're racing because Claiborne basically wants to make sure that they are able to get married if they want to. Claiborne believes in love. Um, and so he is racing Adelaide, who he thinks wants to break up the marriage, even though she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Heron's hair being a character. I know we don't guess character star signs anymore. I loved doing that. And I would say Adelaide has to be a Leo. Okay. So there I we go. I can see that. And, and, and producer Patty doesn't listen anymore, so it doesn't matter. We can talk about Yeah, we can say anything we want we about want. producer Patty. It doesn't matter. And we can. I'm going to start guessing. I'm going to start saying uh, characters star signs if I if they're pretty clear. Okay. So that seems fair. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a separate segment. It can just be an aside. Yeah. Just let me have this, people. Stop coming down so hard on me. I would say. Who's coming down on you? No, this is just in my mind. Um, Yeah. I was just, I would say that Claiborne is. uh, I think Claiborne is a Taurus. And I think both. 
Caleb and Cecily are Sagittarians. Okay. Let's see. If we do end up talking to Sarah, these are other questions we can have for her. She would know. Okay. A non-virgin heroine, she had had sex before. Mm-hmm. I mean, how great is that, too, when they first start, like, you know, hooking up? And she's like, oh, I've had sex before, so you can just go ahead and fuck me. And he's like, no. Love to see yeah. it. Bad dad in Alfie Trumbull, uh, Adelaide's father. Great dad <laughs> in Claiborne's father. Yes. Uh, the first Duke of Claiborne, who seems like a really great guy. And you love to see it. Mm-hmm. Heroin and pants, a sick bed romance. So twice, basically. Or no, just the one time. He's he he gets stabbed and then it gets infected. So they're just like stuck together for five days as she's taking care of him. Yeah. No marriage. Claiborne doesn't want to get married because he knows that he's a bastard and he feels like the line should stop and go to his brother so that it is like the actual official line. Yes, that's why he wants to ensure their marriage. Yes, but also he realizes uh, it doesn't really matter. Because aristocracy is made up, so, like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, The line ends with me. Again, same thing we've seen before of, like, I I can't have children because of aristocracy reasons. Um, A sudden wedding... (laughs) Where they are in the middle of, like, fighting and as a condition to release Jack and Helene, Adelaide must marry Claiborne. And she's not into it and then she is into it. But ultimately they don't end up getting married in that moment. Um, But there was almost a sudden wedding and or a wedding under duress, which is the kind of the same situation. If you have to get married, kind of like a shotgun wedding, but without somebody being pregnant, just like in this moment you have to get married for romance reasons, which are the best reasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are my tropes. Nice. All right. What has you swooning, Clayton? I'm swooning about a video that's available online, and it's from the Taylor Hawkins tribute show that happened a couple weekends ago at Wembley Stadium. For those who don't know, Taylor Hawkins was the drummer for the Foo Fighters. He passed away. Him and Dave Grohl were best buds, and they did a six-hour tribute concert. There's going to be another one in L.A. at the end of this month, but there was a bunch of stars. Paul McCartney showed up, and Chrissy Hine, and a bunch of big names. But the thing that stole the show was at the end of the show, uh, Taylor Hawking's son, who's 16, played the drums on My Hero. And to see him bashing away at those drums, dealing with all that, those feelings, dealing with all that sadness and whatever, and and the excitement of playing in front of thousands of people. And there's a moment in this video where it's towards the end of the song and Dave Grohl and Taylor Hackinson make eye contact. Mm -hmm. Dave Grohl has the biggest grin on his face and he's kind of just, they're so in sync musically and enjoying themselves And it just shows, I know this can sound corny, but it just shows the power of music, the power of that sort of connection you can have in a world that is full of tragedy and all these horrible things. 
And the world has always had horrible things. This is not a new thing. Like, people act as if this is the worst time in human history. It's not. There's always horrible things going on. They're just different horrible things, okay? But the fact that we have this thing, music, which connects people and can take tragedy and turn it into triumph is really powerful. And I think watching this video will show that there are things that are greater than this human struggle that we all have, these things that connect us like music, and that the power of it, it can't really be vocalized. I'm having a hard time vocalizing it, but it was very powerful, and I mm -hmm. think it's a amazing video to watch. So that is my swoon. And you can look it up on YouTube. It's got, like I think, like 9 million views already. So yeah. that's my swoon. That was, that was really sweet, and that was really powerful, and that was... I, yeah, I still can't believe that he was able to do that. He he song. killed it too, and the best thing is he fucking nailed the song. It's such a hard. It's a that's a very hard song to play on drums just by yourself, and he nailed it. Oh a yeah, sixteen year old. Yeah, it's amazing. So, Aaron, what are you what are you swooning about? I know you swoon about something so like heartfelt and like lovely and beautiful, and I'm like, I have a Google Maps trick, but I do, <laughs> and I think it could be helpful to people. But trick. so. Yeah, so it's something that actually a friend of a friend told me about, and I've started doing it, and now I'm obsessed with it. But basically, you know, like, when you, um, when you're, like, on TikTok, not you, Clayton, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to, like, the audience, because I know you're never on TikTok, or a friend comes back from a vacation or something, or you, like, read a great review of a restaurant, and you're like, oh, I really should check that place out or something, and you just don't because you forget about it. And then all of a sudden you're somewhere and you're like, oh, we should go get something to eat. But like where to eat? And everyone just kind of looks around. So what I've started doing is anytime I hear about like a place to visit, a cool museum, this is anywhere in the world, a cool museum, a great restaurant, a cool hotel, like anything, I go to my Google Maps and I enter it in and I just hit save. And that just like hearts it. So now on the map, when I look at the map of that area, there's a little heart. And... It was amazing because I did that before I went to Paris and before I went to London. And so I had all these places. So then when I was like out walking around somewhere, I could just look at my little map and be like, oh, there's this store that I wanted to check out and it's right close by or like, or, or we're looking for a place to eat. Oh, there's a restaurant right over here. And it has ended up being so incredibly helpful in so many moments, because also, especially in New York City, if I read about a restaurant or something that I want to try, and I add it to the list, it's like, you know, you end up in an area of town you're not familiar with, and you're like, oh, yeah, let's go grab a drink, but where should we go? And now I have everything on this little list, and then it makes me seem like I'm a genius, because I'm like, oh, there's this really cute place just around the corner. And then we go, and it's super cute, and it's not sort of that, like, frantic, like, looking at Google reviews of places or something, or... Because I don't know about you, but when I'm, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry, and then I'm hungry, and, and then I have about five minutes before shit gets rough, and I start losing my mind. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm, I'm reaching that point right now, actually. Oh, no. Okay, well. No, it just, I just, it's like I haven't eaten, like, I'm, I'm the same way as you, as like, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it where I'm like, if I don't eat in the next, like, 20 minutes, I'm just gonna be uh, a pissy. <laughs> so angry. And, like, the words that I can't stand is when somebody's like, and th th these words when I'm not hungry are fine, but if I am hungry, 
And somebody's like, well, let's just go and walk around and like see what we find. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> we need a destination. I need to know where we're going. Like we can't just wander around and see what happens. That's insanity. So mm-hmm. anyway. you need to know that it's eminent. You need to know it's eminent. That we're so at least if you something. know. Yeah. Yeah. At least you know, okay, we are going to have to walk 20 minutes to this place. I know that that 20 minutes I'm walking are for a purpose. Right. Because then inevitably what ends up happening is you go one place and you're like, what do you think of this? And especially if you have more than two people, then this becomes a nightmare. And you walk in someplace and they're like, oh, do you want to eat here? Oh, do you? And then like nobody really does, but nobody wants to say, I don't want to eat here. Let's try another place. Or you just keep walking forever looking for places. No, it drives me absolutely insane so anyway so that's my google maps trick it really it works it's really helpful now i look like an absolute psychopath if you ever look at my google maps because it's just now it's just a field of hearts but anyway and google maps is powerful it brings people together it's uh yeah universal and uh yeah all that I do have to say, I, you know, I was with my grandfather this weekend. I was in New Hampshire and he's 91. Um, And so we were driving around different places and he did the like the thing of like, okay, well, now you have to turn here. Now you have to turn here. And I was like letting him tell me where to go, obviously. But then he looked at my like screen and he saw that it was like basically a map. And he's like, that thing will just tell you to go anywhere, won't it? That's amazing. And then he started wow. telling everybody at my cousin's son's uh, football game about Google Maps, which was very funny. <laughs> but they were wow, new hat bringing New Hampshire Google Maps. Yep, exactly. It, do- it only took a few years. No, people knew about it. I think it was just new to him. Yeah. All right, well. Yeah, Aaron, where can they find us? So you can always email us at um, learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Again, no spoilers, please. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, or rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us, so we really appreciate it. Um, we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop, the Learning the Tropes troop, uh, which you can come visit us there as well. Well, we have merch, which is linked below. Uh, And then finally, we have our Patreon. So like we mentioned at the top of the episode, um, if you go to just patreon.com and search learning the tropes, we'll come up. It starts at $5. uh, And we have some exclusive content there as well. So if you want to check that out. Yeah. And now, I guess till next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye, guys.